This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including eBooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkar, and more importantly, I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Afsar Muhammad of the University of Pennsylvania on a brand new publication called Remaking History, 1948 Police Action and the Muslims of Hyderabad. Afsar, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Raj. Uh, Thank you so much for this uh, beautiful opportunity. So there are many ways into this conversation, but let me uh, let me naively ask you, what's your book about? What's the main topic of your book? <laughs> thank you, thank you. That's actually a good beginning. I actually, <laughs> I'm not sure uh, how to respond to this uh, question. It sounds like simple, but uh, like so complicated as well. It's, it's like so many things uh, uh, to share here. The book is basically about uh, 1948, uh, the long uh, 40s in the history of India. Uh, We always talk about uh, partition. We also talk more about uh, the disputes, uh, border disputes between India and Pakistan. Uh, it's actually, I, I, I think uh, it's well-discussed aspect uh, in many disciplines, history, literature, anthropology, gender studies. But one thing that we barely discuss is like how such things uh, uh, were happening beyond the borders. So this is a story about Hyderabad Deccan, uh, which was considered to be, still is considered to be the heart of the country. So that is one big reason why this is uh, has become such a complicated issue. So in 1947, of course, we all know That is a big date in the history of India. And then got independence. uh, But Hyderabad, Deccan, was under the Nizam, who was actually persistent about continuing his rule. And of course, uh, uh, there is also an argument that that was the popular demand that uh, Nizam should continue as the ruler, uh, but there are different viewpoints. I'm not getting into those different viewpoints, uh, but uh, 
the what happened basically because this is at the center like at the heart of the country the union government of india was so particular about uh, integrating hyderabad deccan into the the indian government so that led to a controversy and the and then nizam was like not ready to accept any proposal because he was primarily uh, uh focusing on like this idea of uh, azad hyderabad independent hyderabad and the finally the indian government uh, like used military action and then it was actually uh in local narratives is uh, called sainika akramana means military invasion so it's like popular imagination and popular narratives they all speak about uh, this entire um, violence that happened between september 7 11th and 17th like for five days is considered to be battle and then even media reports like both national and international local they call it battle five days battle but it's not just a battle between the government of india and um, nizam that also led to the killing of some 27000 to 40000 muslims uh this is according to sundarlal commission that was appointed by the government itself of course uh the report was um classified it was kept a secret doc- as a secret document and then there was like more than 1 lakh 100000 like people migrated to other parts of the world including pakistan USA and Europe. Uh, so the story basically is about those five days, like uh, that violence, trauma, and then how local community in Hyderabad Deccan uh, was impacted, and then what kind of uh, discourses were taking place, and then how different communities, uh, Hindus, Muslims, Christians, were responding. to this violence and then how the entire this uh, sense of community was broken so the book is basically about those five days but also talks about the discourses that spread beyond those five days regarding this uh, important story that you're telling what are the sources you're drawing on for the story and also mention has this story been told before very briefly but uh, there is a lot of gaps a uh, lot of gaps between uh, like uh, different versions of the story so there is a official documentation there is media documentation uh, there are like some works uh, like uh, uh umar khalidi did an excellent job uh in documenting this violence uh uh and then 
there is a study by Sunil Purushottam who actually uh, worked on this uh, Sundarlal Commission's uh, report and uh, but his focus uh, was mostly like a political dimension of the story. So in my work, I tried to look into like how this impacted ordinary community. So there, there are like different communities, political community. There are like activists uh, who were impacted by this. But I, I just want to talk about how this impacted an ordinary person, whether it is Hindu or Muslim or Christian. So the, the basic category concept in this work is like this ordinary uh, person, ordinary citizen. My sources... I basically challenged official documentation of this story. So I depended mostly on oral histories. I met uh, almost 100 uh, witnesses of this violence. When I met them, they were actually some 90 plus. And then also, with, I, I also actually basically juxtaposed these oral histories with uh, written documents such as uh, literary narratives, autobiographical writings, personal essays, and memoirs uh, published between 1947 and 1960s. Uh, so I, I actually uh, tried to, it's basically oral history project uh, but I actually gathered, like, did a lot of archival work. Uh, I actually explored uh, private libraries from this region and then collected a lot of written material, including media reports. Uh, so there's a combination of both uh, oral and uh, written component. How did you become interested in this topic of study? Actually, that goes back to my field research uh, in 2006. Yes, <laughs> 2006. Uh, uh, this book uh, about uh, non-Muslim narrativization of uh, Muharram practices in uh, Andhra and uh, Telangana. So, uh, when I was uh, conducting field research, I met one. A uh, Muslim folk fair farmer. He actually was famous in Telangana for his Moharam, uh, Telugu and Urdu, both. That's very important aspect here. So he was actually performing in both languages. So he was like, when I was talking about Moharam, because it's a very popular uh, ritual even now, but what he mentioned kind of intrigued me. Like he said, that entire tradition, the beautiful syncretic tradition of Hindus and Muslims almost came to an end because of this police action. So he was, he started talking about uh, this uh, blood uh, bath and violence and trauma and all these sad things about 1948. And then uh, at that point, I, was, I wasn't I was serious about this because, you know, as a 
scholar you focus is basically on that particular like uh, topic that you are interested more and then i i was mostly looking for like materials related to muharram and then uh, as i was uh meeting other people like in hyderabad and other parts of deccan i kind of heard so many stories about the police action and that that actually took me back to my own experience in 1998 when lal krishna advani visited hyderabad and gave a like speech on the 50th anniversary they kind of started celebrating this uh integration police action as a like a another independence movement so there, there was uh, advani's uh, speech uh, became like a very controversial at that point i i was there i witnessed that entire uh public speech and then also followed the debate and i started connecting all these things okay i have taught 2006 field research talking to these performers of moharam and then 1998 uh advani's speech about uh, police action so i, I was trying to understand uh, the political implications of this event so then i realized it is another kind of dimension of partition actually sunil pulshottam called it like a third front of partition so i actually of course i was actually interested in like a partition literature um i i was actually like uh, reading uh, urdu or writers uh, sadat hasan manto krishna sopti uh, rajendra singh bedi and also like some of the right uh, writers that focused on this partition from thakkan but i i was curious why not many people were talking about this in their writings and then then i actually collected more uh, witness stories about police action i met like for activists folk fair farmers uh, political leaders uh, but most importantly i met those people who were like in their teenage when this entire violence was taking place so particularly that particular age group between 16 to 25 age group of muslims and hindus they had extremely bitter experiences that impacted their whole life so when i was talking to these people in 2006 and then 2012 they were still like experiencing that trauma so i i was like like um i, I actually had no words to articulate that impact Uh, and then i took it seriously and then uh, started exploring archives uh, and then oral histories and then i also looked into the media reports uh, that kind of gave a totally different uh, picture in a way it's official kind of uh, portrait of what was happening there so they were just buying 
what the government was saying. So that was like how I got into this like uh, project. And then it took me a lot of time. Raj actually is so sad that uh, uh, most of these witnesses, they are no more. So we lost them in COVID. Of course, there are also, we also lost them due to natural causes. Uh, but when I started uh, uh, looking back into these uh, stories and then listening to their uh, audio, uh, I kind of, it was like not easy for me to handle that kind of material that kind of delayed my work. Well, certainly above and beyond the um, the mining of data, if you will, of information of research, this particular research is heavily emotionally charged. And therefore, one can't help, uh, assuming one is in a sociopath, one can't help but feel a great deal of uh, sympathy, empathy, pain, trauma for for victims of this tumultuous yeah. time, one wonders. It occurred to me as you were speaking that, in a, in a in a in a in a way, it's fortuitous that you that you're able to do this work in this moment of history, while these remaining eyewitnesses are alive. And so, in a sense, you've memorialized their stories, and you've. I would suspect that it might even have been somewhat therapeutic, on some level to have shared their stories with you, would you say? Yes, yes. Uh, it's so many ways. It's like uh, very subjective. It's very personal for me. So I was being like, you know, I wanted to study this like uh, just as a scholar. And then uh, I, I, and that never kind of <laughs> happened uh, because I was always there in the present, in the like uh, narration. And then it's very, very personal. Like uh, it's not easy uh, being an insider, insider in like uh, two ways. Uh, my family was involved in this uh, because my family had this uh, leftist history. So my father was uh, like uh, the president of the Progressive Writers Association, uh, the wing of uh, Communist Party. Um, regional president. He was a regional president. And then my mother and grandmother's family, uh, their entire family was uh, like the activists in the leftist uh, movement. So they went to jails. Uh, they fought for uh, uh, this uh, Telang during Telangana rebellion movement, which was another popular historical event, uh, which was well documented. But the Muslim dimension like, still remains undocumented. And then, but um, so there is some family connection. That is one reason why I'm so connected to this uh, entire event. And then my family too, they migrated to sev several other places, scattered basically. So that, that pain is always there in back of my mind and uh, I, I was always guided by this like this uh, insider's uh, viewpoint and the other thing is like uh, this was happening again it's like people returning to this in 1998 uh, and then when Hindu nationalism became a big uh, political matter and then the Muslim question became complicated. And then the very identity of Muslims was being questioned. 
So that was another movement of insiders uh, world as it related to this. Uh, and then I, I, I kind of uh, trying to compare these two different movements. One movement coming from my own family history, the other from my own personal engagement with the post-92 uh, Hindu nationalist uh, period. So together, uh, they kind of made my work. Uh, I, I just wanted to put that entire um, like violence in a perspective. And then uh, one thing uh, that uh, made me realize so many aspects, like uh, it's a political dimension, it's religious dimension. And most important for me is like uh, the study of this community, right? So as an ethnographer, that is what I did in my previous work. Uh, so I felt the need to address the concerns of the community. So what are the big questions that this community is now facing in the background of this police action, Hindu nationalism, and then the larger uh, Muslim question? So that trajectory still like uh, very dominant in this new work. And so what are those issues? What are those questions? Broad strokes. What it, What is, you know, what is this community currently sorting through? The big question uh, is like, uh, how, how do we understand Muslim? Who is this Muslim? And then how do we understand Hindu-Muslim exchanges against this background? So that question was there already, like uh, even in partition, during the partition days. Uh, like, uh, it's like a, in, in literature and in other like history works, you we always discuss that, okay, this is not just about uh, partition, this is also about the Muslim being and belonging, right? So that is like one way is very uh, much related to one community. But in my study, as I did in my previous study, there is no way that you can separate this community from one another. Like Hindus and Muslims, like they're like singular community. So they were sharing so much. They were Their lives are like so connected to each other. So there is no way that we can study them like a, as a separate domain. So uh, that's what I did in my previous work. And then when I started studying this police action too, I realized that there is no way that you can separate them and then see the pain as like a separate thing. So there is no such thing as Hindu pain Muslim pain. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pain of the entire community. So there was a challenge to shared practices between Hindus and Muslims. So it's kind of two-dimensional like uh, story. It's not just my concern. It is a, it's a community's concern. Every time I spoke with the people, they were like articulating these different dimensions of this pain. So they were telling their own story. They were telling the story of community. They were talking about historical events. They were talking about the political matters that um, dominated the mainstream um, society. So they were also talking about 
marginalization of this story so why the the common the everyone was asking me why even scholars don't talk about it so that that's a big question that's not my own concern that's a that question concern the question came from the community came from the people came from ordinary people you make a an an interesting parallel and in passing if i'm not mistaken probably in your introductory your sorry in your concluding chapter regarding this current issue this issue and uh recent events of for example black lives matter say a bit more about parallels or, or intersections uh, like between hindus and muslims and uh, past and present and the intersections between like uh, religious uh, aspects particularly like uh, even even among muslims there is no singular muslim category right just like in hinduism hindus right i'm not so so it's basically the study is like concerned more about this chaurasta that is the term we should use chaurasta is crossroad so crossroads of communities crossroads of identities crossroads of different scholarly approaches then but the most important is cross the crossroad of ordinary people where ordinary people come and then gather and then speak about their pain so the, the so i see like everything is like looks like a very parallel street but when they join at the crossroad you hear multiple voices so there is a story that was evolving out of this pain and then oh, it was actually like saying something else rather than official <laughs> documentation that goes beyond statistics uh, that goes beyond uh, like uh, media reports so actually the numbers uh, number of numbers of killing that officially sundarlal commission says it is 27000 to 40000 but when i talk to the people they always say no no it's not that number is wrong it should be more than that so there is something happening that actually also questioned my own understanding of this event do you think that makes sense raj well, certainly i can relate to your perspective uh that's sort of my job <laughs> as a podcast host but yes i i understand what you're saying um Uh, what do you hope um the sort of large takeaways of the work are what what do you hope the work will accomplish in terms of impact um the most important thing is uh i, I want to like see people uh talking about this rather than ignoring it so they need to we need to realize that they, we need to understand the past our history particularly the immediate history which is very important to comprehend the dilemma right now so the dilemma might be hindus and muslims hindu muslim dilemma or the dilemma might be violent, uh, about, might uh, might be about the violence the dilemma might be about the very very basic question of 
like uh, being and belongingness. So my entire uh, effort in writing this book and then putting together this kind of material is uh, to like uh, create an awareness about the immediate past of our community. So, you know, at this point, uh, this whole issue about the eraser of past, particularly Muslim past, uh, despite its um, powerful contribution to India, Indian history and culture, we are now, at least uh, the dominant um, histo historiography, is busy erasing those aspects, right? So, the, you know, you're following the whole issue about Mughal, Mughal's history, and then um, revisiting that history from a different lens. So we, there is some danger here in the making of history, in the in re, in revisiting history or uh, talking about histories. It's, it's also actually happening in popular imagination. Like even people like with not having any like knowledge of this history of medieval India, they started talking about uh, uh, the harmful, uh, the dangers uh, of Mughal Empire, and then uh, they all became suddenly villains in this history, right? So one big thing for me is like, okay, maybe we can see that as a different viewpoint, but at least let us open our minds to facts and figures. And then revisit those public uh, events, uh, public uh, histories, and then talk about all those things that happened, but they're still impacting us, right? We need to also understand like how that past is not just past, it, it is also like defining your present, right? So we need to understand those connections between past and present, along with understanding how community worked at that point, how community like reshaping its own values and uh, life matters at this point. Certainly a common lamentation among the thinking of, right. of various fields. This, <laughs> the, uh, the, the uh, seeming ignorance of history on behalf of so many globally right. in this this sort of idea that <laughs> our present has emerged right. ex nihilo in a vacuum and, and, right. and yeah. certainly it's, it's challenged many i think right um to trace the the history of 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 you know the processes that have formed the world in which we're right. in whatever aspect mm -hmm. of that we're studying regarding the title remaking history tell us about that is it about the ways in which this history was remade is it about the ways in which we need to remake this history? Tell us about the title. Good question. Actually, I've been waiting for this question for a long time. <laughs> After the publication of this book. Uh, well, here, here you are. Here's your also, chance. <laughs> in, in social media, there was also a question about, oh, you can't remake history. That kind of questions were there. But uh, oh, if only people understood that the key word in history <laughs> is story. Uh, uh, <laughs> in social media, they were talking about oh, history was history, history is history. There is no way that you can remake or reconstruct or rewrite or say anything uh, 
about it uh, but the, my idea my idea is basically like uh, so one so until now i was talking about just one aspect of this history right but there is another dimension raj here uh, that dimension is yes there was violence there was trauma people were suffering like there is was extreme level of suffering pain they couldn't come out of it but at the same time there was a reconstruction of community in hyderabad deccan so that is the most important aspect for me in this entire story so the i, I was talking about this age group 18 to 25 right so that age group that generation they were exploring new possibilities like uh, in terms of education social reforms modernity and uh, in terms of engaging with uh, global networks of islam so that was all happening in the late 1940s in hyderabad deccan so i actually used a category here in the book uh, uh naye musliman new muslims so these new muslims they they were actually shattering the st- stereotypes of of the earlier muslim identity so this you have this like a huge misunderstanding that muslims like muslim culture means nawabi culture it's not true so you have this new generation muslims challenging that idea of nawabi and then engaging with ordinary aspects of life so because they were fighting uh, with life on die on a daily basis they had no opportunities and then they got to find some new economic uh, opportunities new jobs uh, new like educational resources most importantly there was also an effort to um go back to urdu and then see urdu as a paradigm of new modernity so new identity so there was lot of effort there to revisit their own story their own history and then remake it reconstruct it so the story of this title has those two dimensions one is actually like uh on the on the one hand i was talking about being a historian i want to revisit the story that is there i want to like uh um challenge uh, whatever material is available there i want to use alternative archives oral histories that is one part of the story and the other part is the story that is uh, related to the community itself so they were actually remaking their life story life histories so the, the i want to emphasize that double uh like uh, double edged strategy narrative strategy a two pronged approach right so <laughs> for my final question i'll just ask what is next for you what are you working on now or next uh let me catch a breath here <laughs> so i'm actually not sure i actually because my entire uh, mission um uh, in my previous work and in in this work too to explore multiple dimensions of local islam so that was a concept i was using in my previous work the festival of peace 
So how this local Islam works? What are the components of local Islam? So is there a way that you can engage with this archives of local Islam? So that's the whole point of my, that's my research goal, not just as a scholar, but also as a person, as a writer. Uh, and then I actually, this, this book also, even though I'm talking more about history in this work, uh, unlike my previous work, uh, this is, I'm actually trying to understand these multiple uh, dimensions of local Muslims. So how, how could we understand local Muslim? So in the previous story, the festival of peers, that was about seventh century battle of Karbala, right? So that was still historical. <laughs> but I was talking more about uh, like uh, rituals and then religious narrative, devotional narratives, right? But this is still, this is another aspect of history. This is 1948, that immediate history, right? So, but I also want to understand like how these different times, spaces impact local Muslims, how they kind of uh, uh, help us to understand uh, local Islamic uh, community. Right, and then and their interactions with uh, uh, like Hindus, Christians. So of course that shared uh, religiosity that is still my curiosity. So I'm just trying to like show and demonstrate these uh, like different aspects of Muslim history. Fascinating. Well, thank you very much for appearing on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Raj. I hope. Uh... So we have this fruitful uh, conversation, and then I hope uh, your uh, podcast uh, audience would really enjoy this, and then come up with more questions in future. <laughs> Indeed. For those listening, we have been speaking with Dr. Afsar Mohammed of the University of Pennsylvania on a brand new uh, Cambridge University Press publication, uh, "Remaking History." Until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and. Keep contemplating historical narratives and their veracity or lack thereof. Take care.